conferences, long agendas, big venues, always on your feet, barely getting to see the people that you want to see, and then, of course, the expense. Well, the three of us at Good Morning Hospitality are launching Good Morning Retreats. Our first retreat is this July 8th through the 10th at the Horse Hospitality Training School in Auburn, Alabama. If you go to goodmorningretreats.com, you'll find out more information about our first retreat that we're launching. We have already filled half the slots. We have 20 available and we have about 13 already filled. So make sure you go there, you apply, show your interest, and we'll get you all situated for our first ever Good Morning Retreat. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. And now, back to the episode. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you wanna tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey everyone, I was hoping to get this message put together sooner, but things like this unfortunately take time to set up. I just want to say that the acts of war against Ukraine break my heart, and I know as a prior service member myself that my thoughts and prayers go out to everyone who's fighting the fight that they really shouldn't have to. That being said, we have been working behind the scenes with all of our podcasts and podcast partners to put a fund together in order to pay for any refugee housing and other needs that go alongside that, like food, water, and any clothing needs. Internally, many podcasts in the Hospitality FM network have voluntarily given up sponsorship money in order to donate to the cause and are working on a unified message in order to spread throughout all of our podcasts. So this is me calling out to all of our property manager friends, industry experts, and anyone knowing of those providing lodging for Ukrainian refugees seeking safety. You can contact me directly at will, with one L, W-I-L, at slicktalkmedia.com. We have an internal document that is being updated in real time. So if anyone could share this message within your network, we'd greatly appreciate it. I'm also placing in the show notes a link to our GoFundMe and landing page for Rentals to Rescue. That's rentals.torescue.com, where we're putting funds together in order to, again, provide finances for any of these lodging and relocation needs. So thank you so much for tuning into this quick message. I hope you guys are all well and safe, as I know we have tons of listeners in Ukraine and other countries in in Europe. So thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. All right. We're doing it. Good morning. Good morning, hospitality. This is exciting. Um, gentlemen, are you ready to rock and roll and do this thing? You got your coffee? I got my coffee. All right. Well, I'm going to hit it. Let's do this thing. That's our that's our intro. I love it. Such a good upbeat <laughs> song. It goes with the caffeine. I love it. Well, uh, gentlemen, I think uh, this is a fun and great way to start the show. Uh, for all those that are actually tuning in live right now, feel free to uh, you know comment in the comment box where you're watching from, who you are. Say hello to myself and my awesome co-hosts, the Michaels. 
Um, we're talking about a cool topic today, but I want to start off. Let's do Ross and Golden. Let's do uh, describe yourself in like 10 or less words on who you are and what you do. So we'll <laughs> go with Ross. Ten words. Yeah, I'll do it in 10 words. Oh, almost 10. Hi, my name is Michael. Indeed, I'm CEO and founder of Bidroom.com. Uh, a bedroom is a membership booking platform. We're disrupting the market. So actually, I'm combining my passion for technology and uh, and travel together. And then uh, good to be here. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I counted 42 words, but uh, <laughs> I'm Michael Golden. I'm the director of business development for NoiseAware. I've been in the short-term rental space for six plus years at this point. So seeing quite the evolution throughout the, the past six years. Awesome. Okay. And uh, was that, yeah, let's say. <laughs> awesome. And I'm Will Slickers. I'm host of uh, obviously Good Morning Hospitality and uh, Slick Talk the Hospitality podcast with a hotel and a vacation rental background. So um, I think we have a unique, uh, you know, panel or hosts uh, for the show. It's kind of the reason why we teamed up. Uh, we got a little bit of hotels, a little bit of vacation rentals, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good combination. So um, today's topic, COVIDpreneurs and apart hotels. So uh, I think it's a pretty interesting uh, topic for our first episode because uh, we've been seeing a little bit of news come out about this, but the COVIDpreneur type deal is, you know, I think a lot of people have lost their jobs with, you know, COVID and since March and April. But um, this quarter, 1.5 million people have applied for their business, uh, you know, tax ID number and all this type of stuff. And that's uh, about a 77.4% increase from last quarter, as well as uh, the most that the Wall Street Journal has seen in over a decade. So I'm curious to know how many of them are in hospitality or travel. How many companies have been started in hospitality or how many of those who started a company were in hospitality? How many of the 1.5 million are going to be in the hospitality industry? I think in the market, like one out of 10 people works in hospitality, right? So if you take this number, I think that people just lost their job for sure. It's more than more than that. But even already calculating one out of 10, it's it's still a massive number, right? Could you start something in this uh, in this industry? Yeah. That's true. Yeah, One out of ten. I think a lot of people have found time on their hands to to pursue the thing they've thought about pursuing for a long time, and whether it was forced by layoffs or furlough, or it was uh, by design. You know, I, I think in terms of what we're going to see coming out of it over the next year, two years, three years, uh, it's going to be improvements. It's going to be probably a lot of consulting groups. Uh, or individuals that, that team up and help boutiques run operations like Marriott does. Mm -hmm. But I think, uh, yeah, I mean, that one in 10 might work in hospitalities, but I, but I think the numbers of people who were laid off or furloughed is more like a third of those that, that lost their jobs were in hospitality in the U.S. at least. Some, yeah. some crazy numbers. Well, I think what Michael said, a lot of people just always had the dream maybe to start something for themselves, to go into Coastal to see whatever. And it's always a bit scary, right? When it's okay, do, should I really uh, give up my my job, which gave me security? In this case, by if you're losing your job or uh, it's a for love or layoff, or, uh, you have to do something, right? And it's okay, why not give it a try now? Just give it a try. What I was dreaming about, nothing to lose actually in this moment anyway. So 
I really support this. I think it's so cool to start your own business. And, and this is the right moment, if, even though it's maybe not the moment you, you, you choose for. Chase it now and do it. So. Well, we saw, you know, 2008, we saw something very similar. Um, a lot of entrepreneurs or people that had side hustles or just an idea, kind of like you're just talking about like a dream. Like, you know what? I've always wanted to do this. I think we're kind of seeing the same thing, especially like for me, I've seen a lot of hospitality people with side hustles. And now, like you said, with furloughs and layoffs, it makes more sense for them to kind of pursue that more than, than ever. There's really no excuse now they have the time. So I think that's the the key factor but we'll see what will actually happen is you know they say about 50 percent of businesses don't even make it through their first year so out of that 1.5 million will this uh will this be you know long term yeah. how many pursue after uh after they get their jobs reinstated or, or find something yeah. more more steady yeah i've actually yeah. had a conversation with a couple of friends just the past month or so were talking about starting their own business. Uh, a buddy and I had a drop shipping company uh, shipping baby goods out of China. Uh, <laughs> and once Corona broke out in, in January, February, nobody wanted uh, baby goods coming from China. Uh, so we put it on pause, but <laughs> it was really cool. I mean, it, it, the barrier to get started was zero. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, drop shipping, there's no upfront costs. Like it's, it's just an arbitrage, so. Yeah, no, that's oh, I didn't uh, think what you said 2008, right? If in the crisis you're getting creative, you just have to survive. So you can see 2008, I think, was uh, I think we all know is the year of Airbnb mm -hmm. discussing apartments later. But this is also crisis often gives you a reason to uh, to start something, disrupt the market. But they're saying and disruption actually often happens because of a crisis. So I'm really curious if new initiative pops up. Okay, we started some time ago, but more and more we disrupt in the market. But you can see more initiative will come for sure. And I think it's also good. Something is ready for change because of a crisis. So let's see what's happening in hospitality. But I think uh, if there's some innovation going on and people can innovate in this area, I think mm -hmm. they can they can have a good chance. Yeah. And my my biggest thing is I, I don't know how uh, how um, aware some of these uh, COVIDpreneurs are of the steady paycheck does not exist when you're building something like that. So that's like the biggest thing for me is <laughs> these are all great ideas. And hopefully, like you said, they are disrupting the market because, um, you know, unless you get a ton of funding, which we'll probably talk about here in a little bit with uh, part hotels, but it's just, you know, with funding, uh, without funding, it's pretty, it's pretty rough because you have to sacrifice a lot of the, the consistencies that we had before all this COVID stuff. I know. Went through yeah. it all. <laughs> some, of, some of the best businesses uh, have to get scrappy uh, before funding comes, and, and figuring out how to succeed early is is setting a really good groundwork for the future. Yeah, agreed. Well, um, I think that's a good good point for our current you know topic of the day is which is you know apartment hotels and kind of that business model. Um, Michael Golden, obviously, uh, you had the great idea about this topic because um, I think it is something, like you said, that is not covered to the point of scalability. Um, we haven't seen this at huge scale, like a Marriott or Hilton or IHG or whatever it may be. Um, so this is kind of an interesting one to, to go about. But um, why do you think, we'll just start off the question, you know, why do you think we haven't seen um something scale like this? 
Well, Michael, coming from the uh, hotel world, probably has a, a better idea of why the apart hotel segment hasn't scaled. Um, I, I think it's been successful in in certain markets and certain locations, but it's challenging to do uh, at scale multinational and, and be a consumer brand. Um, the consumer brands of Marriott, for example, are, are 90 years old. Uh, people probably hadn't heard of Marriott in its first five years. And, and really the those doing urban multifamily, you know, part hotel style inventory haven't been around for longer than five or six years. Um, you know, we saw a number of them go away during COVID because of their business model and, and how much capital it, it took to, to flow. And when, when the money stops coming in, it certainly hurt a lot of, a lot of businesses, but it's really exciting last week to see a couple companies raise some, some pretty serious money, uh, both in, in debt and equity to, to go build their brand and, and see if they can pull off. Uh, a consumer, a part of hotel brand. Yeah, that's true. And it's, uh, I, I guess, like you said, there's um, the one thing we're talking about is the consistency of it. And um, I think that's another, another big factor. There's a ton of factors that go into maybe why it's not scaled or hasn't been scaled to that point, to that extent um, and consistency. And like you just said, brand is, is pretty key. Um, well, I think it's images development, it's education, it's, it's multiple things, right? You see in hotel people studying for it for years to be a front office employee or general manager, revenue manager, etc. And this is lacking or it's not there in vacation rental yet. You can see, for example, apart hotel still has the image like, is it in a hotel? Is, no, is, it, an, is it an apartment? Is it, it's, it has a different kind of like uh, image, of course, than a hotel. If you say I'm working in a four or five star hotel Marriott, it's completely different they say i'm working in a part hotel so it's, it's mm -hmm. also i think it's image and, and i think it's also uh if it will be a strong brand i think it could help you because you can see of course of course starting with a dojo they have some but still you're missing really still brands and i think uh well we did we pre-discussed a bit before i think it's there will be for sure time when somebody says oh, okay i've got multiple properties why not branding it because mm -hmm. still I think image is still a difficulty and really to create image outside, but I think it's also inside, right? That the property, they look identical in the way of controlling, uh, management, security, et cetera. So there's still a lot to do in this, in this area to become, when it comes so professional that you can really scale it to a brand. Yeah. So there's two points to, to that. Will. I think first of all, um, Glenn Fogel, booking CEO, said in an interview recently that 40% uh, of bookings new reservations are coming from the short-term rental sector, mm. not the hotel sector. So it, previously, those who had traveled, something like 35% of people had stayed in rentals, uh, and that's it of those who travel. So it's a it was still a pretty small market share, but COVID uh, with either hotels being shut down or uh, rentals being easier to get and more comfortable for, for travelers. People are now booking uh, short-term rentals at a higher rate. Previously, it was like 20%. So nearly yeah. double uh, the, the new bookings are going to rentals. 
So it's a bit of an education process. It's a bit of a, you know, it's weird staying in someone else's house. Uh, once, once you do it though, people stick around and, and uh, want to, you know, they enjoyed having that extra space or that extra mm -hmm. bedroom or whatever. And then the, la the, the second thing is when I stay in a Marriott, I know that the room I stay in in New York is going to be the same as it is in Atlanta, the same as it is in, in London. The consistency is amazing and you know what product you're going to get. With rentals, you, you almost want a, a bit of a more unique experience to, to feel like you're in an apartment that somebody would live in in that town, in that city. Whether it's a shoebox in New York or a, a sprawling, you know, three-four bedroom in, in Miami, uh, I, I think people, travelers that are going to be staying places for for more than a day or two, like to have a little bit more of that experience. Well, you know what yeah. to expect, right? These people sometimes are afraid for what they don't know, and if you stay for what what Michael says, he he always stays in a married. You know what kind of bed that you always have to put the, the pillows, so it feels comfortable. You know the food in the restaurant is okay. I think now, of course, when when the focus of the case, the, the uh, short term rental is doing well. I think it's also, of course, related to the to the uh, the world we're living now. Uh, you can see you don't want to stay in a massive queue on the on the buffet breakfast. You just want to have your uh, your own place where you could cook if needed. You stay often when you go with your family. You want you want to stay together. So it is different now uh, nowadays anyway. So I think hotels are sacrificing and they have more difficulties now than the short term rental. You see, on short term rental, you've got of course many places on the countryside. You need a beach, a short set. But these places are still popular. They're all fully booked now, and yeah. it's more difficult to build huge hotels near those sites sometimes. So it's. Yeah. yeah, to find a place which suits now, what feels make you feel safe. Yeah, often you come now to to a vacation rental because you yeah. don't want to avoid. Yeah, also, it's the numbers of contacts which you have, right? In a short term rental, you're receiving maybe a code before you can enter, and that's it. You don't have to go to a lobby where you see other people, where people's queuing behind each other. So all those things people think about now that now those days. So yeah, and, and if you look at the the longevity of the industry and of travel in general, uh, you know, it was getting a little out of hand in 2019, uh, especially in a lot of European cities. The, the amount of complaints these cities were, were trying to figure out how to, to affect tourism. Uh, but if you build these apart hotel buildings, you can flex them during a crisis or during peak tourism or, or whatnot. If it's built like a, an apartment, a one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom, then if tourism goes away, those can become residence housing. And if mm -hmm. residents, you know, in San Francisco, for example, there's a mass exodus of people who live there because all these big companies are going remote. Now those units could be short-term rentals. So now they don't have to build new hotels uh, and it's actually sustainable developments. Yeah. And I think just like we're seeing now with our show with with us, we're a hybrid of people in the industry, uh, vacation rentals, hotels, and and one person that's in both. I think we're going to see that hybrid model a lot. And one thing I've been talking about is uh, kind of, well, you just made a great point is that they have that option. They have that flexibility now that is so uh, pivotal during crisis or in great economic times. And mm -hmm. um, uh, one thing I think, you know, hotels, you know, they scale up. There are rooms on top of rooms. My 
idea for the future is where I see is going to be hotels going more horizontal than up because of COVID. What we're realizing people don't want to wait in lines. They want that experience where they can just get a mobile digital code on their phone or even a keyless, you know, Bluetooth scan, Mm -hmm. um, but still have that sense of community. So like still have like a community spot where they can go grab drinks or have a fire or still have that, that, that time um, that, that we all love when it comes to travel. Uh, But I think we're going to see the hybrid way more than we expect. Well, it's a flexibility now, right? I just normally every year when with my family, we just go for maybe one or two weeks, you go to a hotel and, and just stay in a nice place. This year was completely different already. You're staying for multiple weeks, even longer somewhere else. They going outside, they go to the beach and I'm staying inside, unfortunately, to, to work. So, yeah. <laughs> but this is changing, right? And it's, you can see, and I'm not the only one. You can see, I think half the office, they were, they were from different places all over the world. They went back to the family, work from there. Uh, combined actually work with uh, uh, with holiday and why not so it's also i think a lot of things change now you can see more digital nomads the way of working it is kind of the new normal yeah. you can see hotels even changing more to the space okay user space is all for for working but yeah especially long stay you don't want to be in a, in a hotel room right if it stays longer you see the average stay i think is increasing anyway you just want to have a bit space and yeah space you can find in an uh, in a short-term rent or an apartment more than in a general hotel room. Yeah, I think the, the word of 2020 is flexible. So you've got flexible work hours, flexible work locations. Yeah. Um, hotels are becoming flexible by trying to put in uh, WeWork type of, you know, yeah. working spaces. Uh, your buildings no longer can be single use. They, they have to serve multiple purposes. Yeah. Apart from hotels, brands like Sonder went 40, 50, 60% um, midterm, and they were housing nurses or housing, you know, mm-hmm. emergency workers. So being able to flex your your inventory, it seems like it's going to be crucial moving forward. Now, yeah. I think it's, it's hard sometimes to make predictions when you're in the middle of a, a crisis, but, you know, a year from now, two years from now, what trends are going to stick? I think the, the flexible workforce trend is likely to, to stick uh, mm-hmm. for, forever at this point. And then yeah. travel, like people want a little bit more space, a little bit more comfort because they're flexible. Maybe they can can turn that two-day business trip into a four-day business leisure trip. Yeah. Uh, so it, it certainly opens up a, a lot of different opportunities for those of us in travel, but you just got to be a little nimble to, to navigate. Agreed. And it's like the, you know, the, the age of the digital nomad. Plus uh, I think, you know, like we're seeing with this article that we were kind of focusing the episode on today was, you know, Kasai, or I think that's how you say it. I might be butchering it pretty. It's like my weakness as a podcaster is pronouncing things. Um, but you know, the raising $48 million in the series, a funding and bringing that like luxury apartment feel that we all know, like a comfort type style, but then is very, on off switch for travel so you know to have as a operated hotel and i like to think of it as like you think of like residence inns or something you know a brand like you know that i've i don't like in california i follow this company called proper hotels and they uh they have the option for people to own specific suites and Mm -hmm. but you don't live there full-time you're you're traveling and when you're not there your room's pretty much being rented um so it's 
it's a unique model. And I think um, when it comes to people working remotely and doing those business leisure stays, um, they're starting to see that and they're starting to be like, okay, this is something that I want to do. Like, I like this lifestyle. It becomes that type of lifestyle in a sense of you have, I guess, yeah, keyword flexibility. You have that flexibility of being at home or traveling. And I think that's what it's fitting the mold pretty much. Yeah. Um, so, well, you can see, especially most of them, they're more in the luxury space, right? So luxury space, upscale, because still, I think when you want to go on holiday, now business travel, it's it's limited, right? But you want to go on holiday, if I go, and I think both you can confirm, I think other listeners as well, you want to go a place which is normally nicer than your own house, because if you, otherwise you don't go on holiday, right? So you want like a different experience. So you see brands which offer like more like a boutique experience, still homely, but still luxury, you can see with, with, with Kasai, you can see with Sonder, with kind of other places, they're doing well. And they yeah. will do well eventually because they're unique and still it's something better than what you find daily. Yeah. Oh, this is a comment we just got on the live. So thank you guys for commenting and, you know, engaging with us. It's exciting for our first episode. But branded residences are experiencing surge. So uh, Mandrina, Fairmont, and all these other ones are expanding brands are uh brands like selena are uh playing into that demand too and i agree i think yeah i'm bad plus i'm reading on the fly so my bad but um yeah anyways i think it's a very <laughs> it's yeah it's yeah i'm just gonna ignore it i you know what uh, no no a lot of it and it, it plays into what michael was saying that travel you tend to go up a scale from what you're used to uh, I certainly want to stay somewhere that's cleaner than my house uh, I have three dogs and a baby uh, so my house is always a mess but you know the the uh, Mandarin or Fairmont and Ritz Carlton's these all these residences exist in some cities uh, the W is another one I, I'm a big big fan of the W yeah. The residences are super cool, super modern. They always have great cocktail bars or, or some sort of restaurant to, attached to it. And you know when you stay in a W, it's, it's going to be a cool place in the best part of town. And yeah. that's what I think is missing in, in um, the apart hotel world is branded locations. And we saw Nito, you know, try to do it there for a, a second um you know i think that model will exist at some point we're not too far out but the uh you know getting once the hotels especially start getting into and, and being well more well known about the, the fact that they have not just hotel rooms but places that you have a kitchen and an extra bedroom mm -hmm. for the, a friend or for the baby or whatever it's gonna, gonna really take off yeah. Well, I think it was mentioned Selena, and I think it's a great example in, in what they're doing, right? That they're combining in their, even if you're like looking now at what they're offering, monthly stays, try to go to long-term because to fill the hotels, combining the work, they have a nomad passport, et cetera. So they're really into innovation. And there's something what I mentioned earlier in this uh, in this in this podcast. I think the way the hotels, if they're innovating now in, in their stay and what they're offering, and I think Selena is doing this very well. Uh, they can come out much stronger. And then some weeks ago, I had a different uh, interview 
me think it was all about innovation. And I think the hotels who can innovate now in creating a different kind of relationship with their customer, they can come out stronger. And yes, branding of brand could help. Um, so but I'm curious what's going to follow. We just mentioned the, the more traditional brands, right? They have to do something now as well. And, and I yeah. think they're, you see them searching. They don't know exactly what to choose sometimes. You see Citizen yeah. M, they start with a membership model. Uh, I think Selena has something similar as well. I'm curious what the, what the big brands, just call it the, the, the big five, for example, would do. Yeah, well, so I think there's a couple key differences. Like the way you run operations and rentals is, is a lot more hands-off than it is in hotels. Cleaning takes twice as long because you have twice as much space. What, what I think the hotels have a big leg up on, and, and these are great uh, examples by uh, that were added in, but we've got big brands that have relationships with owners of these hotels that, that I think don't exist in, in the rental world yet. You know, Saunders building relationships with developers but these hotels have had relationships with developers who have proven track records and say, look, if we throw a Fairmont brand on this, we know Fairmont in Vancouver or Fairmont in Chicago performs this way. So Fairmont in, you know, Amsterdam will do the same. So I think that, and, and that's why some of these short-term rental operators have to raise so much money. Uh, from the get-go is so they can build their brand and their reputation. You know, half of that Kasai uh, funding was debt. It wasn't equity. So they yeah. could probably go buy a bunch of furniture, lease, uh, long-term lease a lot of properties. And, and hotels used to do that in, in the early days. It was big lease of, of buildings, 10-year lease or whatever. Um, but once they had a really big proven model, then they could flip it over to a, a rev share, which is what Saunders trying to do, what Front Desk is doing, what Vector is doing. So um, I think it's it's a bit of a maturation and it's likely to end up in some acquisitions by hotel companies of yeah. some of these brands that know how to do it. And then they leverage each other's strengths and resources. Well, uh, so the, uh, the founder of Kasai said, Kasai uh, is founded by diversity in the industry of leaders in tech, design, and hospitality. Our investors remain confident in our ability to scale based off of our experience and unique knowledge in the Latin, Latin markets. But um, I would say, you know, those three sectors, um, you know, tech, design, and hospitality, are those enough to actually scale at that point? Um, I think... I think those are good foundations and pillars, but uh, I think it's like you are saying, it's kind of going to go into more of a, you know, there's still a lot of learning. There's still a lot of knowledge that has to come from, you know, this type of experience plus, uh, you know, big companies like Marriott or Hilton or whatever. Um, I've already been doing this for a long time in the sense of they don't need to, you know, start from scratch. Well, I think companies like Kasai, Sonder, they're more tech companies, right? So if you're looking yeah. at if you're looking at the Marriotts, they're really like branding companies, marketing companies, etc. Yeah. So they're, they're the whole way of approaching customer relation is, is different. So, and I think the ones in, in, in technology who just understand normally, and I don't want to talk about about 
about the other ones. But yeah, if you see yeah. the, the tech guys and new guys, they know exactly how to use data, what to do with data, etc. So I think there's advantages of Kasai, Sondor, etc. Really using data in the right way to create a relationship with their users, how to convert them, etc. So I think and, that's and a big that's difference where... in tech companies and marketing companies. Uh, what the, and, what and that's where it likely makes sense for a hotel to acquire one of these brands mm -hmm. uh, because they, they both need each other. Uh, the hospitality you get in a hotel is typically significantly better than the hospitality you get in a, in a rental. But the experience, like after I fly for 10 hours and I land in Amsterdam, the last thing I want to do is go to, to check in at a, a front desk, wait five minutes, ring the bell, Somebody comes up and is like, oh yeah, sorry, your room's not ready. Let me, uh, you know, yeah. come back and come back in an hour. You know, it's, and, then it, and then you have to fit in the form when you send all your information before. And then you have to fit in the form of uh, of twenty yeah. questions. And this is still, so yeah, this is again tech companies innovation yeah. compared with well, uh, more traditional, right? We also talk about transparency a lot, right? And I think you know, with that that comment right there of having you know, getting in from a late flight getting to the hotel and being okay my room's not ready that's not transparent you never know when it's going to be ready um, vacation rentals and i think it's like a good uh segue for it is that you know vacation rental models or that type of stuff they're usually pretty on top of it with sharing that information at an instant gratification si uh, standpoint of you know your cell phone um, versus hotels it's like hey we'll call you um being a front office manager and assistant gm myself from uh you know my past career before all the shows and stuff is is that's you know you never the guest never really knows he you know check-in is at 4 p.m or 3 p.m but at the end of the day it could be sooner but they won't know that because there's no way of of communicating at that speed with tech um like we see with vacation rentals like sonder and having that ability to have that instant communication with it's like a virtual a virtual front desk agent in your pocket so once again, it's flexibility, right? This is also what we, we address. And I think in hotels, it's sometimes so stuck to, okay, check in two o'clock. You're leaving yeah. before 11. And it is sometimes yeah. so frustrating because you're arriving in the evening, but you might use, I had it last week. You're arriving in the evening, you're not, almost not using, you just sleep. And next morning I had to get out at 11, even though I prefer to use it one o'clock because I didn't want to sit in the lobby because I, it's difficult to get one and a half meter distance. So in this case, then you have to upgrade and I had to pay something extra for a late checkout. The hotel is completely empty, but I had to pay extra for a late checkout. Yeah. There, I think there could, a hotel could make a difference, right? It's okay. I know you checked in yesterday so late. It's fine. You can use the wrong, you checked in six hours later than normal. You can keep the room one hour, two hours longer. And this I think the flexibility, what sometimes the homeowners or the short-term rentals still do, because they want to have a great review, they want to have good recommendations, they're more flexible. Yeah. And the hotels, they're sometimes too stuck with too many rules. Yeah, it's it's a bit of the process is the death of you, right? Like, well, yeah. out to 11, that means our cleaners need to be done by 12, and then the next renter can, or the next guest can come in at one. But in a rental, uh, you get, Oh yeah, I don't have anyone staying until tomorrow. Stay as late as you need to, you know. Please be out by three or four so my cleaners can, can get in there. Yeah. Right. You, you. It is a little bit more of a personalized uh, mm -hmm. approach or, or helpful when you can be, and, and that may not always be the case. But 
Well, from a hotel perspective, I get it, right? Because you have your your schedules, your cleanings, etc. But for a user, for 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 a customer, for a guest, I can this experience is different. So I can imagine the the guest prefer this flexibility, and this drives him away from the hotels to the apartments. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, I like this comment shows that you know the hotel companies are definitely dipping their toe into this this sector. So. It, it's just kind of proven that uh, we're going to see a lot more of, I think, like you said, ho the hotels are going to start playing with that flexibility game more than more than anything. They're going to start playing with the, well, you know, I, I just I don't know. I'm thinking of like a front desk perspective too, because, you know, you have, let's say 70 units, you have 70 rooms in one property and they're constantly being flipped. If you have a constant high occupancy, um, like Golden said, you know, it's more of a like, hey, we can't be flexible on that because we have to get this room ready for the next guest within a, like I think maybe people have to put in that, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if it's fully occupied and it's slammed, like, okay, I get it. I need to be out. Like, but but it's the Michael's experience of, yeah, the hotel's empty. No, you yeah. can't stay two more hours. Like, come on. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that, that's that's a lack of hospitality, you know. Anticipating <laughs> the guest needs, you know, you gotta you gotta get that in there at least, you know. Just you can yeah. be flexible on that. There's a difference between flexibility, knowing when you can and can't do it, but then just being kind of like a jerk and and not letting somebody because it's, it's like yeah. eleven o'clock and you're like, oh well, it's checkout time. Well, eventually, I think the hotels should make a shift. You can see the kind of the, the concept, like you can you uh, book rooms per hour that they use, etc. Kind of kind of platforms, right? I think this is also more common. Of course, you have to your operations will be different. You have to change a few things. I think for hotel perspective, I think they can win a lot in there. But also, I think revenue-wise, you might even sell the room multiple times because you might just have a flight. You come back in the morning at six yeah. o'clock. You just want to get some rest for five hours before your meeting. Could be. This is also now you're just not possible because the room is available at two o'clock and you had to inform them before because you delayed checkout, which was like twelve hours later than normal. So it is the flexibility. I think if hotels innovate and you see some, of course, you see some airport hotels that have the technology. Mm -hmm. I'm curious what will happen in the hotel space after this. And I think now they can gain some advantage in those days yeah. to experiment with it. Well, yeah. um, not to give any sneak peeks, but I interviewed a guest that is a uh, director of sales and marketing in Chicago for a uh, Sheraton uh, brand. And they pivoted during this time. They're still open open and operating in Chicago. Um, but they started using dayuse.com and renting out whole floors for companies to do like kind of like that we work co-working space. And they're doing a lot more that wouldn't have really worked prior. Um, mm -hmm. And from, from my understanding, you know, like I worked at a 716 room hotel. Uh, if I had anybody come in to try to use a room for day use, we just didn't have that capacity to do it. But now I think we're seeing hotels do when they change their operations. Um, that's when it is work is that's when it's able to work because when you keep the same operation schedule that you were doing for check-in check-out time at you know three and eleven uh it just doesn't work but if you change that then we'll see more more growth in in that day use multiple rental type deals yeah um so i know we probably should wrap up in a second but i want to touch on this core and marriott uh comment so i what i think of the future with apart hotels is brands, right? And and neither Marriott or Accor 
are branding these products. Marriott's partnered with a bunch of property managers who have to have certain standards to let yeah. travelers in, but it's not a Marriott property and it's not, you know, you're, you're not booking uh, a building you're going to walk into that's flagged and, and consistent. Um, and, and of course, same thing with One Fine Stay. One Fine Stay is typically an urban large unit uh, operator who uh, these, these flats usually aren't even full-time rentals. People own them and they just travel or split time between London and New York or something like that. Uh, it is a good start for those brands to get their, their toes in the short terminal waters. And we've seen more. Um, Hyatt had some investment in One Fine Stay before Accor bought it. Hyatt invested in a company called Oasis Collections. Um, so we've seen uh, Choice Hotels tried something similar to what Marriott's been successful at. Yeah. Uh, we, we've seen people try it. Uh, I, I think I think Marriott especially is, has done a really good job with it. Uh, and, and more more to come, I would expect a lot of brands to follow them. But in terms of apart hotels, uh, you just gotta expect a, a brand to buy an operator who can, can bring some of that knowledge in house and then throw it under a flag. Guys, for them, it's still scary, right? Because they want to experiment, they want to learn, but still they don't want to just push vacation rental because they are the last 10, 20, 100 years in, in the hotel space, right? So it's also, it's of course, for them, it's it's not an easy move because you want to protect this whole hotel image and the, your experience around it and not pushing the vacation rental. So for them, it's finding a balance in this, which is, I guess, not easy for them. Yeah. Well, I just like what you said. Well, it's actually why both Marriott and Accor went the route they're going is because they, those types of inventories don't compete with mm -hmm. their uh, yeah. hotel ownership groups, right? The ownership groups are competing with the one bedroom and the two bedrooms, not the six bedroom beach house that Marriott's uh, marketing or the four bedroom penthouse London, you know, prime location that one fine state might have. Yeah. Well, and I, and I like that model and we referenced Marriott a lot, but it's, they didn't just go into the vacation rental space and be like, all right, we know what we're doing and we're going to kick all these professional operators that have been doing this out for, you know, 15, 20 years. They really just came in and said, Hey, we want to come alongside you. We want to offer you what we have to bring to the table and what we know. And we want you to bring something to the table too, because you know what you're doing. You're obviously meeting these standards, uh, which has always been a great thing with Marriott is that they have a great standard point. Like, I got secret shopped all the time as a front desk agent and a front office manager. Like, and those requirements are, they're long. It's, and they have a standard, especially for each brand. And I think that's what they really do bring to the table with that, that side of um, vacation rentals. And, and well, they do those residences now, right? So you just can, uh, even as a, as an owner, you can buy a residence in those buildings. You have the experience of an, of an hotel. You can rent it out. So they take they rent it out for you. So they go more in, experience combining like a normal double room with like an, with the residences. So yeah. I think they're developing on this space. Uh, well, I agree. Awesome. Well, I think uh, that's a pretty, pretty dang good first episode. You know what I'm saying? I think we covered a lot. How do you guys feel? I like it. What a nice talk. Yeah. yeah looking I, forward to I'm looking forward to next week already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, we're like, we're like kids on Christmas Eve. We just can't sleep. Um, well, uh, as you guys can see, subscribe to our channels, uh, look in good morning hospitality on all platforms.
Thank you guys for chatting with us on uh, the live. It's always great to have that type of engagement. And uh, obviously, we'll see you guys next week early. So have, bring your coffee. Happy Monday. <laughs>